Welcome into the House of L podcast, episode number 32. Have a lot of fun on today's episode, that is for sure. Glad that you were hanging out as per usual. Feedback has been great on a lot of the interviews that we've had over the last, I would say, six weeks or so. If you haven't gone back to listen to some of them, you should. If you're jumping on the the House of L podcast, you're like, man, I really like this. I appreciate it. I truly do. Wherever it is that you picked up on, whether it was Adam Hogue or Peanut Tillman who was on or whomever, all I would suggest is that you go backwards. And I know that we've got 32 episodes and the Bears ones or whatever, but there are some really great interviews that have been done on the podcast over the last six months. And there might be people that you might be interested in hearing from. So just go back like Shannon Ryan's sit down was really, really good. Or the Barry Rosner was great. Obviously the Jason episode was super good and I highly recommend it. But the first episode ever was Jason Benetti. And that one was dope. Cheryl Scott was on. I mean, it's been great so far. A lot of good feedback over the, the Adam Hogue episode or Kelly Kroll. So I appreciate that you like the people that I'm trying to bring to you here on the podcast. And this week is no different. By the way, this episode is brought to you by Melly Cafe. Thanks to Melly Cafe for always having our back. We appreciate them being a sponsor. They have great food. It is a tremendous place to take someone for brunch. If you're in the city, I highly recommend it. If you have a breakfast meeting, it's a great place to go. There are locations at Jackson and Halston in Greektown. The one I go to is Congress in Dearborn because it's right by DePaul's Loop Campus, and I spend a lot of time there. That's where I had the pork chop and cheese grits. Oh, so good. And Grand and Wells. So you're covered. Three different locations, great food. Follow them on social at Melly Cafe Chicago. Just go look. As I say every week, go look at the food and tell me that you don't want it. That's all. Just say it. Say, Lawrence, I don't want this food. I'm not going to believe you, but you can go ahead and do it. So we thank them for being a, a, a faithful sponsor to this podcast and It's great to have partners like that that believe in the vision of what you're trying to do. This episode is fun, and I tried really hard to make this fun. Here's why. People who've heard Sierra Santos on with me on the radio have known that our conversations have tended to get fairly serious. And Sierra's had a really interesting life. That started in adolescence, and we we talk about that, I mean, more so towards the end. We we talk about a lot of stuff, and she's she's not just one of my favorite guests, she is one of my favorite people. And I I love talking with her because she she doesn't pull punches, and it's appreciated. I like that she's a fighter. I like that that she hustles. And it's fun to kind of compare notes with her. So I think that you're going to love this episode. I really do. Because it, it's pure Sierra. I can tell you that much. And you'll get a sense of it. And if you haven't, if you just clicked on 
I had to, full disclosure, Sierra came in with this faux fur. And you can check it out. It's on my Instagram, at Lawrence W. Holmes. It's so dope that I made it the, the, the picture for the episode. But you could see the, the whole thing, and she was completely game. But that's, that's what Sierra is about. Like, her, her swag is off the charts. It's off the charts. So I had to document it. I had to share the picture with you. So I hope that, that you enjoy checking out because it's a great photo. I think she kept, kept it on the whole time we talked. I can't remember. Well, I'll, I'll have to figure out, but I think she did because she thought it was funny that I thought it was funny. Recently, Sierra left NBC Sports Chicago, and she joined Fox 32. So a lot of what we're talking about are issues that I don't, I don't know if the average fan of media even thinks about. Like Those are scary times. And the, the industry, like a lot of industries, it contracts, it expands, it contracts, it expands. And I think that a lot of people in television are trying to figure out what they're doing with staffing, how to best put people in a position to succeed. I'm happy that Sierra didn't leave Chicago because I think by now she's kind of become ensconced in Chicago sports culture. And I'm glad that we have someone like her out there covering sports. So anytime I get a chance to sit down with her, it's great. And I'm, I'm glad that, that she agreed to do this. I, w- I wanted to wait a little bit to get the podcast up and running before I invited her. And I, I didn't want her to think, well, I just want you to retell the story that you told on the score. No, I, I wanted to hear more about different things. So we were able to do that. So this is Sierra Santos. It's great. Go follow Sierra on Twitter. By the way, it's Sierra with one R. That's, that is extremely important that you realize that her name is spelled with one R if you're going to try to follow her on social media. But she's doing a kick-ass job for Fox 32. I'm glad they picked her up. It's a good place for her, and she's going to do well. This was the sit-down with Sierra Santos. I'm nervous. You know why? Because you, you had Kelly on. I listened to hers, and she was so eloquent, and the, the conversation lasted like four and a half hours. Yeah, I, I feel like you and I have already covered a lot of ground, though. Yeah. So I, I don't want to kind of recover <laughs> some of that ground. Because but, at, at this point, you and I could probably talk for five, six hours uh, yeah. about some about of this stuff. stuff. Yeah. But, uh, no, I was like, she's so eloquent and poised. And God, that's so not me. You're gangster, though. It's just, I got a different flavor. That's right. And that flavor is very <laughs> much appreciated. You, you are the, one of the top requested people for me to bring back on the radio show. Why? The audience really digs your authenticity. From from what I, I gather from the emails and texts and tweets. I just try not to front. You know what I mean? Like, I just talk, you know, you want to talk like how you do, like how I would talk to you if we weren't on radio. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's something that I believe in because I believe that people, when they're on the air, should talk like they talk. Yeah, and but some, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen a lot. I'm not sure why it doesn't happen a lot. Because you're trying to be like Susie Broadcaster, you know, or, you know, that's how, I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. It's really weird how, how it goes about. There, there's been a lot of change since the last time that we talked on the air. I know that we've talked. Wait, are we, are we recording now? We're so recording right oh my, now. See, I didn't even know. 
I don't even know. People get mad that I do okay, that. Okay, now I'm going to turn on my voice. <laughs> now that I know that we're recording. Now you're going to turn on the broadcaster yeah. voice. Um, so, yeah, there's there has been a lot of change. A lot of change. So you left NBC Sports Chicago and you joined Fox 32 mm-hmm. here in Chicago. Yes. And so your role as it stands right now it's a little bit different where a lot of people still, even when you left the Sox beat, still associate you with the White Sox. And now you're covering every beat. Which is cool because before, it's crazy. So I have been in Chicago for three years, but I had never been to Hallis Hall. I had never been to Bulls practice. I had never been to Hawks practice. I never been to any of these places. I've only been, I'd only been to the Cubs for Crosstown. So it was a huge change to be able to go out and cover all these different teams that I had been covering as far as in the studio anchoring, but never getting to go see it in the flesh. So it's been a change that I've really appreciated because, you know, when you're in studio, and you know this too, you like to get out of the house a little bit. Mm-hmm. You like to get out of the house. So it's a nice change from the norm of being in the studio every day, anchoring every day. And getting to talk about teams and see them, not just see what I see on some video that one of our very talented cameramen have shot. You get to see it in person. So what's the the thing that surprised you the most now that you've gotten out of the house a little bit? Huh, that's a good question. I am surprised. Well, one of the things that's funny is, So at Fox 32, a lot of people, a lot of the photographers, for example, don't know my background or where I came from. So they're like, oh, you know, where'd you come from? You know, because you seem to know a lot about Chicago sports. I'm like, yeah, because I'm uncovering Chicago sports for the last three years. But it's they're like, you know, you you really seem to know your stuff, even though this is your first time at Hallis Hall. And I'm like, yeah, because I've been talking about the Bears. I just haven't gotten to see them. Or talk to them in person. Does that make sense? Uh, of course it does. So, there, there's a different level of it too. I think when when you're covering a team and you're around it, I I honestly I try to get out as much as I can. It's hard. It, it's very difficult to you can't it, it, really if you're going to try to cover all the teams. And sometimes I feel bad. So that's why I love talking to actual beat reporters because there is something to. Yeah, I listen to Matt Nagy and Mark Helfrich. I listen to the press conferences, and I love now that the Bears have podcasted all of the interviews, which Mm -hmm. I think is dope. But you need to be in the room. Sometimes you need to see what the look on the person's face was when they said what they said to help paint the picture. Mm -hmm. So I've always thought that it's a good idea to get out the house as much as possible so so that you can have a better footing for knowing what's going on. I like it. It's fun. It really is, and it's such it's, it's such a change of pace. So I have had fun doing it, and I kind of, you know, it's exciting. It's something new every day. Not that there isn't – the thing that what people don't understand is maybe that when you're in news or you're in sports, the story changes every day. Every day it's something different. So it keeps it exciting. It keeps it fresh. And so now I get to keep it exciting and fresh by going out to the places versus staying in the studio and talking about them from a desk. When you left NBC Sports Chicago, were you thinking you would leave the city and go look for something else? I wasn't sure. 
So, um, you know, that that's one of the things that I still don't know what's going to happen because I'm I'm part time over at Fox 32. So I get to be there part time. You know, some days I'm there five days a week. Some days I'm there or some weeks I'm there five days a week. Some weeks I'm there three days a week. It just kind of depends on when I'm needed. What kind of screwed me was the Cubs bailing out early from the postseason because that's when they needed they were actually going to send me to go cover the Cubs on the road. So that was going to be my role. And so I was thinking, like, man, I'm going to be working seven days a week. Like, I'm going to be stacking that paper. No, that's not what happened. And then the Cubs lose to the <laughs> yeah, Rockies. That's and you're like, not what happened uh, at all. So uh, I was disappointed with that, which a lot of people are like, oh, man, a lot of people who are White Sox fans, you know, they have a connection with me. They're like, oh, I hope the Cubs lose. And I'm like, no, you don't want the Cubs to lose. Because you want Sierra to work. And they're like, okay, well, for you, I don't want the Cubs to lose. But for me, I want the Cubs to lose. It was so funny watching your Twitter and watching all the people that were like, oh, Sierra, you sold us out. You're you're supposed to be Do you all know White how many, Sox. You know how many times I've been called a Benedict Arnold? For real? Yeah, which I don't resemble him at all. So Not I don't, at all. <laughs> I don't know what they said. No, yeah, I've been called a Benedict Arnold traitor. You know, I can't, people write the craziest stuff. And occasionally, like, I'll screenshot it and then put them on blast. And then I realized that, you know, my phone was getting kind of full on the storage. So I couldn't. Facts. So that. I was done. I was like, okay, I'm not going to put people on blast anymore and just let it go. Because I, what I explained to them is that, you know, I, they're like, I thought you were a White Sox fan. And you have to explain to them that you have to remove yourself from being a fan when you're a reporter. You're a fan of whoever you're covering. And that's what I tell people. Listen, if I were the Cubs beat reporter, I would want the Cubs to win. If I were the Bears beat reporter, I want the Bears to win. I want the Bulls to win. I want whoever I'm covering. If I were the Rockies reporter, I would want the Rockies to win because it makes your job easier. When teams are winning, they're easier to cover. The guys want to talk. The mood is lighter. When you're in a clubhouse or a locker room where they've lost five straight, it sucks. It sucks because no one's in a good mood. No one wants to talk to the media. No one wants to talk about how bad their team is ever. So I always want whoever I'm covering to do well. I think that's the the thing that teams don't understand all the time is we're, we don't want them to lose because that's content we want them to win because then everyone's happy everyone's happy and the fans are happy exactly and the fans are more interested i want the bears to go undefeated the rest of the season why because people will care yes more people are going to see or hear us if the team is good because they're going to be interested exactly in it and teams and, and sometimes fans think that you're rooting if you if you say anything critical you're not you're not with the team we want the team to win. That doesn't mean that we're going to ignore flaws and and not do our job of reporting sure. or or talking about what's going on. And you have to give an accurate analysis. You can't sugarcoat things. I agree. So when you went over to Cubs, since you are tied so closely to the White Sox or were tied so closely to the White Sox, what was your reaction from the clubhouse, from people over at Wrigley? It was crazy because I got to actually see people that I 
I only get to see inter I only got to see intermittently before. And like for example, luckily I had Kelly Kroll there who I worked with for a long time, but we didn't necessarily get to work together. So I got there and I'm like, "Okay, Kelly, where's the bathroom?" You know, that oh. like I needed oh, somebody yeah. to kind of show me How do you the get ropes. to the clubhouse? It's Where difficult do, over there. Like what do I do? What time does this happen? You know, somebody to kind of show me the ropes. So luckily she stepped up. She was like she was like this is so fun. I get to see you more now in the last couple days than I have in the last year. And I'm like, I know, it is cool. So it was also nice to be around all the media members that I didn't necessarily get to see that often. Even given the White Sox beat, they don't have the amount of media coverage that the Cubs do. So a lot of times when I was covering the White Sox, it would be me, the only television camera, and then all the beat reporters. Right. So it wasn't necessarily a lot of the other media members that would be at Cubs. So it was cool. I got to hang out with more of the, you know, local TV people than I ever had before. Like I got to hang out with them for a more extended amount of time, which was cool as well. Did you need a break from covering a, a rebuilding team? Um, I don't think so. I liked it. I, I liked covering the White Sox a lot. You know, so it wasn't necessarily that I didn't want to cover them anymore. So it, I think if you're covering a team that is rebuilding, it's fun. Players are younger usually, or players are more eager to open up because, you know, if you don't, if you've got a bunch of superstars, they come as usually typically guarded. Okay, you that, know what I mean. That's completely fair. Thanks to Herbie, who I forgot oh. to get Sierra water. Thank you. Before we started, so Thank Herbie. You. Was nice enough to to bring it. I'm keeping that in, by the way. I'm not editing that out. <laughs> we keeps it all the ways real on the House of L podcast. So I want to go back to the the idea of you being in this place now where it, things are uncertain. How uncomfortable are you with that? Or are you living in the along? You know, I, I was freaking out because I'm like, oh, my gosh. What if I only work three days a week? Like, how... How am I going to be able to make that work? And I talked to my dad about it. And my dad, who also was the voice of reason when I told him I was like, in my first news job, I was like, I don't want to do this. I hate this. And he was like, listen, just after you make the transition to sports, if you still hate it, quit. Quit. You can come back home. If you need to live with us, you can live with us. If you want to go get a job doing whatever you want to do, go do it. But just give it a a little bit of time. Go do sports. Go do your passion. And if you still hate it, quit. And so I ended up obviously never going home because I didn't quit. But um, I talked to my dad. I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I, you know, At first, when I knew that I was leaving, I was really upset. I was super depressed. I was like, I, you know, I was crying. I was, I was just devastated because this was my dream job. NBC Sports Chicago, being a beat reporter like that or working at a regional sports network, that was my dream job. And so to kind of lose that, I felt like I was losing a part of my identity mm. of who I was. Like, okay, if I'm not doing this, what am I? And then I also was just upset because I loved everyone I worked with. And I mean, it, I told my when I had the conversation with my boss, I was like, you know this is going to be a very unpopular decision. 
I I told him exactly those those exact words because and he's like I know you know you are well loved and I'm like well so I don't understand why you know but there are other reasons why you know and you know it what the nice thing was it wasn't like oh well you suck mm-hmm. that's why you're leaving it wasn't about that it was about other stuff so uh, beyond my control so you know you you ask yourself what could have i done differently and there was nothing there was no what i could have done differently cuz they were satisfied with what i did it was stuff beyond my control so i was super upset i was like laying at home like i would come home and i'd see my dogs and i'd be like you're my reason for living you know but then you kind of get over it and you're like okay what am i going to do next and so I told my dad, I said, hey, I might have this part, part-time opportunity at Fox 32 here in Chicago. I was like, I, I like it. I mean, I really like Lou Canellis and I really like Shea Pepler. They're both really cool. I think I'm going to take it, but the problem is I don't know how much I'm going to be working. And my dad's like, look, you have had a full-time job for how long? And you've been working your ass off for how long? don't you kind of want a break? And I'm like, you know what? Because what people don't understand too is that every single time you start a new job, you start at ground zero as far as vacation time. You get 10 days of vacation a year. So for the last three years, I've had 10 days of vacation. But for my entire career, I have had only 10 days of vacation Mm. because I've never gotten up to like, oh, I've been here for five years. I've been here for 10 years. I've got like... Seven months of vacation, you know, that type of thing. You yeah, I've, I've been here for 20 and I have a lot of days. You have a lot of vacation, correct, because you've been here a long time. But I've never worked, I haven't worked anywhere for 10 years or 15 years. So it's always been 10 days of vacation. And my dad's like, you've had how many days of vacation for how long? He's like, just chill. Like, relax. Like, figure out what you're going to do, but, like, take this opportunity and enjoy it. So... That's what I'm doing. I want to go back to the, the concept of identity. I struggle with this. I wonder, and I don't know if, if, if it's ego or if it's just human nature. If I ever do leave the score, and at some point they'll get tired of me or I'll get tired of them. No but, one's ever going <laughs> to get tired of you. It, it's so going to happen. <laughs> uh, and, and I wonder if, like you were saying, if I'm not Lawrence from the score. Then what are you? Then what are you? And when you build you and you built up this brand here right. in Chicago, and now the brand has to change. How difficult is that for you to navigate? I think that I'm still doing television and I'm still doing sports, so I feel like I'm still on brand. living my dreams. Right? I'm still getting to do what I love, and now I get to do it with all four teams. You know what I mean? So it's even more exciting, right? I guess five teams, sorry. I always think of the four teams because NBC Sports Chicago has a four-team deal. And so now now, yeah. now you get to cover the Bears. Yeah, I get to cover the Bears. So it's all five teams. So And I get to do other cool stuff. Like I've got a story coming up with some of the Honey Bears. Like from the 80s? The former Honey Bears. Get out of town. Uh, 
to be to be uh, to be continued. Okay, I'll just say that earlier in the podcast, Herbie brought you water. His aunt, one of the honey bears. No way. I believe that's right. I think okay. That's well, accurate. I'm gonna have to talk to him. Yeah, fact check that. Okay. It's either that or his his aunt is one of the cheerleaders that they modeled the cheerleaders after NBA Jam after. One of those two things, and they actually might might both be true. <laughs> now that I think about it, she's apparently lived a very interesting life as well. So yeah, th- that's cool that you're you're working your way through some of this stuff. Right. And I mean, I I think at first that was like the ultimate devastation, but then I when I had it backed up like, okay, I'm going to leave NBC Sports Chicago on Friday and I start at Fox 32 on Monday. When I had that kind of lined up in my mind, in my head, I was like, okay, this transition isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. And now I'm really starting to like it. I don't like driving out to Lake Forest. It's rough. But. Did it for 10 years from Hyde Park. But it's all good. Because I like getting to go out there and I liked getting to go cover the guys in the locker room. How would you say covering, now that you've had a, a few weeks of covering an NFL team a little bit more closely, how is it different from covering baseball? Uh, the access is different. You know, the scrums are different. In baseball, there's so many games. So you can really pull a guy aside and do a one-on-one type of interview, no problems. And usually you won't get swarmed by a bunch of other cameras because chances are you're talking to a guy about something that no one really else is interested in. Um, but not that they're not interested in that player, just not interested in the subject matter that you're that you're discussing. For that day. Yes, exactly. So it's different because you have to have your little like microphone pole extender out and make sure that, you know, it's it's a it's a big deal. Everyone's out there at at the Bears. So that's it's different. I mean, the Cubs and the Bears, everyone's out there. It's like City Hall for sports. Right. When you go to Hallis uh-huh. Hall, it's really it, it's it's competitive. I really like I I loved my time covering the Bears as a beat reporter because of it. And I actually I've joked about this with Adam Hogue a few weeks ago. I love the NFL schedule. <laughs> I, I, I love, you know, game day is probably going to be 12 hours, but during the week Everything is, this is what it is. You like you like the structure. I love the structure. No, it is. And it's predictable. You know, you know what time, you know what you're going to get, what time you're going to get it. And you know what time you got to be done by. And you know what time you got to file your story by. And it's, it's predictable. And I have to admit, I like that structure too. Me too. It's just, it's just fun. Like, it's just like, okay, we don't have to worry about anything going into extra innings. We don't have to worry about rain and a game mm-hmm. starting at 10 p.m. Like, none of that stuff it seems to come into play with, with the standard NFL week. It's I just think that it's a, a lot more – it's a lot easier life for someone than doing baseball. And, and being generous, saying 200 days a year with baseball. Right. Be, because there's all the stuff with spring training. And then you have winter meetings and – and all this stuff, it just ends up crushing your time. 100%. I, I, don't, I don't know how people do it. Like, I I honestly, after being in this business for as long as I have, I and I love baseball, it's my number one. And I would never want to cover it every day. <laughs> not, not as a beat reporter. I would never want to cover it. It's brutal. It's a long season. It is. What's the most fun that you've had covering baseball? I... 
I can't think of anything off the top of my head, to be honest with you. Um, I think probably the most fun I've had or the most interesting experience was probably going to Cuba. Okay. So with Jose Abreu. But I can't think of any particular moment that like comes to mind right away. Well, let's let's go back because I know that we've you and I have discussed the Cuba trip on the radio side before, but what fascinated you about wanting to do that particular story and go to that particular place? Well, what happened was I got a phone call that was like, Sierra, do you have a passport? So it wasn't like it was way last minute. We got our visas way last minute. It was, do you have a passport? Okay, you are going to Cuba basically next week. So it was a fast forward type of timeline. So there wasn't very, there was very little preparation. I had just started. So it was kind of like I had to get up to speed really quickly and do a bunch of research as soon as I could. And then when I got there, it was insane and chaos and it was not, I don't want to say it was disorganized because we had security with us pretty much the entire time we were there to make sure that we didn't stray off the path. Mm -hmm. But uh, it wasn't like, okay, we know we're going to get this at this time. It was like, get to Cuba and figure out how to get it. So we didn't even have like the Abreu sit down interview set in stone. It was supposed to happen one day and something happened. He couldn't make it. And so we had basically one day left to get the sit down interview, like the The crown jewel, the whole point of going. Yes. And we were like, oh my gosh, what if this doesn't happen? Like our, our trip means nothing. So luckily we got him. He came like super early in the morning. Like he asked, I think for an interview, I think it like I want to say it's 7 or 8 a.m. He came there early because he felt so bad that he had missed the interview the day before. He was like 30 minutes early. But he could, he can barely walk down the streets in Cuba, right? Yeah, I mean, this was at a hotel. Our, 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 well, the, the other caveat to that is depending on how many years you have defected, you cannot uh, just have free reign in the country. So you cannot leave the premise, like the premises of wherever you're at. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So like, okay, if you're Alexei Ramirez, like you can go wherever you want because you defected, I don't know, I think he defected like 10 years ago at this point. So he can go where, he can go visit his family and other parts of the country and whatever else. If you are Yasiel Puig, you have to stay at the hotel because you were on um, a kind of a delegated trip and you have a regiment, you're not allowed to stray from that. So if you do have people who want to come see you, they have to come to where you're at. They can't, you can't just go home. You can't pop up and see uh, Abuela. No, no. Abuela's got to come and yeah, see you. Yeah, exactly. So like Abreu couldn't go see his son at home. His son had to come to him. So their reunion was in the hotel. Huh. What will you take from the Cuba trip that has nothing to do with baseball? Bring your own toilet paper. That's key. Bring your own toilet paper. That's that is a commodity in Cuba. There is not if you go into a public restroom, you're probably not going to find any. <laughs> your face. Your face. 
But that's a lot of countries, to be honest with you. Sure. You got to bring your own toilet paper. Wow. That was not the answer I was expecting. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like, oh, the sunsets in Havana. Well, no, because we didn't get to spend yeah, that much you, time. You were just running, ripping and running and working. The coolest thing we did, and I don't even know how we got an invitation, <laughs> but there was a really popular band that was playing at a private event. Somehow we got an invitation and we are there with the entire MLB, you know, the all the players that were invited, all of them went. And there are like synchronized swimmers in the pool. Like it was What? It was insane. Like hand served cocktails, stuff like this. Like it was crazy. And then Afterward, we ended up going out to like a, and this was not a tourist spot. This was like a, you live in Havana, like you go there to go party and have a good time. And we went there and there was a live band playing and we were all, we danced salsa to like, I don't even know what time in the morning. And that was probably, that was our last night there. And the next day, our plane ride was the most brutal experience ever. But we had a great time. And I don't think, uh, I think if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have gotten kind of a, fla- a feel for the flavor of the island. It was it was worth the rough plane ride. Yeah. Because of we the- stayed up all night. We stayed up all night and had a good time. Good my producer you. and my photographer, we stayed up all night. I, I feel bad asking you stuff like this because I feel like, well, you know, Sierra is a Spanish speaker. And there's so much about the world of sports when it comes to language that I'm fascinated by that I, I don't want to make you the delegated Spanish speaker in my life that I talk to you about <laughs> these sorts of things. But I'm so curious about how, because of the connection that you have with some, some of the Spanish-speaking players in town, what's it like for them to not be able to communicate or not want to communicate in English the way that they can in Spanish? What's it like for them? Yeah. I don't know. I think that they are kind of used to it by now, and they just get by with whatever English they can use. Now, if they have a translator that's on hand, you know, sometimes it can be a crutch. And rather than attempting to learn the language, it's kind of like, well, I'll just use a translator. When it really only hurts them to not try to communicate in English. You only get better by practicing. And, you know, I've said to some players, I said, you know what, let's practice in English. We, I won't have the camera. I won't have any type of voice recorder. We can just practice doing something in English. Some have been receptive. Some have not. So it kind of just depends on the guy. I think, though, their biggest fear is having something misinterpreted and it's happened before where a guy has said something and they didn't say it correctly it was taken out of context and then boom it's the headline in the newspaper the next day so I understand there's that fear just like I have a fear when somebody's like oh let's do this interview in Spanish when somebody wants to interview me in Spanish I'm like oh I don't know like uh," you know even though I can do it it makes me nervous 
because I'm worried, oh, God, what if I say something like slightly wrong or I use a wrong word there or, you know, I don't know a certain word that's super complicated. Like, oh, it makes it gives me like anxiety. But then you just have to kind of get over that fear. And one of the biggest things I've learned is just do it. And I mean, you will receive more props for trying than you will be crucified for maybe misspeaking in some way. And usually people understand. I know and sometimes it does get blown out of proportion and taken out of context. But usually people do understand that it's not your native tongue and right. and you are making the effort. And I've noticed that when I've traveled to Latin American countries where you know, my basic ass Spanish is, is, is <laughs> but is, people like that you try. Yes, that, and I mean, it is, it is rough, but I've had a couple of conversations and I've walked away and I've been like, okay, okay. That was good. My biggest problem is I can't stop translating in my head. That's, That's hard. It's a really hard thing to get over. So I'm committed like over the next two years to take that next step with it. I, I read it. And I can understand it okay. I read it better than I understand it. Mm -hmm. But if people speak and they speak quickly, it's difficult for me without going through the translation process and then doing it in the reverse. Yes. And that doesn't lead to great conversation. No, it's tough. And I think that's the biggest, the biggest hurdle is, is speaking every day. You have to speak every day. Because if you don't, it's not going to work. But I know a great Spanish tutor if you ever need somebody. Facts? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Hook you I, am, I am down for that. That's, <laughs> I'm, I definitely want that help. You brought up music. You brought up salsa. You brought up dancing. One of the things I love about you on Instagram is how much you share your love of music. We see Sierra at <laughs> concerts. We see you. I'm always at concerts. Yeah. When... Where does that rank if we're talking about sports and music? Because you seem very comfortable. Like w w the music seems to live in you a little bit. And I'm just curious on on how that grew. I think that music was probably my passion before sports, to be honest with you. I mean, I was super punk rock as a kid. And I shouldn't say a kid. Like 13, I started skateboarding. 14, I started really getting into like skater punk type music and then 15 16 I was like a hardcore punk rocker and so from there but like I was that punk rocker that would also be like yeah I'm down with Tupac too so it was it was a I had a huge genre of music that I listened to all different types of music so I think that probably my love for music came before everything else it kind of took a back burner when I took this job in television because you work at night and you really can't go mm. see concerts all the time or you're working on a Saturday night. But now that my schedule's opened up, <laughs> I would actually take vacation days to go see concerts. So I would be like, hey, I, I need to request this day off because I want to go see so-and-so. And, you know, you can use your vacation days however you want to. So I would do it when I could. And now that I have more time, like there's a there's a concert coming up this next month that I'm like, oh, this is going to be dope. I can't wait to go. What's the concert? Anuel. He's like a really big Latin rapper. He's an, un I shouldn't say he's really big. He's not like Bad Bunny big. Okay. But he's, Anuel was like 
in prison for a while. So he's got like that super street cred, you know, and now he's out. He was released and he's back making music. So this is his first tour since he's been out of jail. Okay. So it's like, it's a big deal, right? (laughs) So I, uh, Anuel, I'm really excited to go see How have your musical tastes changed since the punk rock days? Is there still punk rock Sierra in there? Yeah, it's just that, man, I don't want to say like rock and roll's dead, but there's just not that much good rock that has been out lately. So recently I went to go to a festival by myself. I remember just that. to go see Interpol. And I cause I loved Interpol. I haven't seen I've only seen them once, and it was at Coachella a long time ago. And so I went to go see Interpol by myself. I was like, I don't even care. I'll go by myself. I couldn't find anyone that wanted to go. I was like, all right, well. Looks like I'm going to go. So. What, what was that experience? I, I don't know if I, I'm trying to think if I ever gone to a concert by myself. Have you ever been to a movie by yourself? Oh, hell yeah. Then it's the same thing. Okay. Okay. And you know what's great about going to a, a concert by yourself where there are no seats is that I just walked by. I was like, excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. Excuse me. Sorry. 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 Excuse me. And I worked my way right up to the front because it's not like you got a whole bunch of people. And if it's like, oh, it's just little me. I'm just squeezing by. Sorry. Can I? I'm sorry. I'm meeting somebody up there. Sorry. And I got right to the front in like two seconds. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's how you finesse it. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So what, what was your group back in the day? My favorite band of all time is The Clash. So that's my favorite band of all time. Um, there's a group that you probably never heard of that's called Cox Bar. That was probably my uh, second like favorite oi band, uh, punk rock band. But I liked a lot of different types of punk rock. Did you go to a lot of concerts in the I desert? I went to so many concerts. I've been to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of concerts. And that is not a joke. I've been to hundreds of concerts. Wow. Because I would go to a concert... Two, three times a week. What? Yeah. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. I mean, you you see my Instagram. I've been to concert, I've been to probably five concerts in the last what two months. Yeah, that's true. So I go to a lot of different concerts. I mean, these ones are it just depends on what it is. The thing is, like, I have a hard time finding sometimes somebody who wants to go to the same concert as me. Sure. So I'll go by myself if I have to. But like somebody like Drake, that was not a hard sell. Yeah, that that's pretty easy to find someone who's going to to go to the Drake concert with you. That that's that's definitely going to to be able to happen. I I want to stay with music for a second. Do you have any musical talent? No. <laughs> well, I mean, you got the great voice, so I was wondering, did you no. sing at some oh, point? Oh no, no, no. So like, I when I was young, when I was little, I had like piano lessons. Uh, what else? I had voice lessons too because I did musical theater. What? Hold up. Wait a minute. Wait. Musical theater? Yeah. Until when? Uh, probably until I started smoking weed, Lawrence. I don't I'm know. Just, <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm just curious. I don't know. No, until probably like I started being like a, a bad little punk rocker, probably. So. No. <laughs> wow. So I probably started, you know, but with all that said, all that is in the past. You know, I am a clean cut Straight human, be- human being now, I, I only and I take Uber if I drink. 
That's a good thing for so. you. This public service announcement brought to you by <laughs> Sierra Santos. No, so I probably I did musical theater for a long time growing up and stuff like that. So I danced. I um, took voice lessons. Do you I, have a favorite musical? Uh, Chicago. Dope. So I saw Chicago on Broadway, and I, when I saw Chicago on Broadway, I thought. For sure, that's what I wanted to do when I grew up. I wanted to do musical theater, but I don't know why this won't turn off. Uh, then I, you know, had other interests. Like, there was a lot of things. You know, when you're young, you want to do all kinds of different things. I thought, you know, when the U.S. women's soccer team won the, uh, the World, World Cup, Cup in 99. I thought I wanted to be, because I played soccer at that time. I was like, yeah, I want to play for the women's national team. But that didn't happen. Uh, I wanted Were you to do, any good? I was okay. I was okay. I it, it really came down to I'm either going to do soccer or dance, and I chose dance. Okay. And so I was taking I was doing tap, jazz, ballet, lyrical, hip hop, everything like that. And so I took the route of dance, and then dance became when you do competitive dance, you're it's a huge time commitment, and it's very expensive. Very. Very expensive. So not only are you taking, like, I would get out of school and do two or three classes a night. And so then I would get home at whatever time and do my homework. And then, you know, you also have rehearsals on the weekends. You have all the costumes you need for all your different numbers and all that stuff. So um, I kind of got burnt out on it. And, you know, there's the travel for the competitions and everything like that. The lives that you have led, I, I, it's mind-blowing. <laughs> like, all the stuff that you've done. And, I mean, we've chronicled you know, the the Sierra bad girl years. Yeah. We've talked about that. But it's it's amazing to me that you had all this time to kind of go through. And, and maybe maybe I'm just pretty boring. But you went through all these different phases of your life. And what I think is so cool is how comfortable you are with where you've been and who you are. Like it's one of the things I that's why I always joke that you're a superhero because I I really do feel like you're you have a, a level of confidence that I admire. You're not afraid of anything. I think though it's it's just because if you are going through some stuff, like some ish, like it's not over for you. It's not over for you. Like if you are in rehab right now, it is not over for you. You can cut you can overcome it. I've been there, so I know. So I, I can, you can put that stuff behind you and move forward. Now, do I have friends that never put that behind them? Yeah. One of my buddies hit me up the other last week asking me to send him $200 because his car broke down. Yo, do, dude, your car didn't break down. Don't, don't, don't lie to me. You're trying to score some heroin. So do I have friends that never came out of that? Yeah. Do I have friends that have overdosed and died? Yeah. But that's why I don't have tolerance for that. I'm like, I'm not sending you anything. And then a couple of days later, he's like, you know what? You were right. I, I shouldn't have asked you for money. You know, I, I was looking to get high, this and this and this. And, and I'm like, yeah, I wasn't going to send it to you. So, so there's no worries. <laughs> don't worry. You're good. He's like, you know, can we, can we try and be friends again? And I'm like, you know what? I think you need to figure yourself out. And I, I just don't really have time for that. What was the point where you felt on solid ground and figured out as an adult? Last week when I got my Costco membership. Facts? Okay. <laughs> no, I, I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm a real adult now. I've got a Costco membership. 
and I bought like 17 packs of gum and I bought what else? Some water. No, for real, I don't know that I really felt like I was like there was never a point where I'm like, I'm good. I think it just kind of developed over time and where I came out of that, you know, because a lot of people deal with depression. You know, a lot of people deal with depression. It's not as taboo as it was before to be like, yeah, I dealt with depression at a very young age. I think that we try to mask that and we try to say, oh, you know, everything, you know, I'm just going through some stuff. But there are a lot of people who are depressed who don't like to talk about it. I can honestly say in the last probably year, year and a half, I don't feel sad. You know, there is a, if you are depressed, you wake up every day and you f- don't feel good. You know, you physically don't feel good. You feel like, God, I just hope I walk out that door and get hit by a bus. And no, you don't feel comfortable talking about that. Was I depressed early on? You know, 14, uh, 13, 14, 15, that's when I realized I was depressed. And I think that that lasted for a very long time. Now I'm 32 years old and I can honestly be like, you know what? I wake up and I feel good. I don't have that doom and gloom. Do I have anxiety about stuff coming up in my life? Yeah. Or God, what's going to happen if, you know, I don't find another job to supplement what's going on right now? Yes, I feel that. But it's a different thing, though. Yes, it's a different it's not. You know, I, I wake up and feel this like doom and gloom. Does that make sense? It completely makes sense. But I think a lot of people, I think a lot of broadcasters are depressed. And I think a lot of people just in general are depressed. The guy who, you know, is checking you out for body wash at CVS is depressed. But we kind of try to stifle that because we don't, that's something you don't want to talk about, you know. And it's something you don't want to admit to people because they see it as a weakness. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I, I love talking to you. (laughs) <laughs> I really, and I'm serious. I've, I've really enjoyed this, this friendship that we've built uh, over the last few years. And I'm, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. I am because I, I think that you're, you have a lot of qualities that I like in a person, but I, at the top of that list is you're a fighter. Like you're, you're a fighter and you can tell, like, you can, like, don't, don't bleep with Sierra. No, see, I don't, I don't feel like, I am, though, because I think when I look back and I look at what I have overcome, you know, and I don't talk about a lot of it because a lot of it is just like I, I still haven't come to terms with some of the stuff that's happened. When I look back, I'll give you an example. I went to a therapist and she was like, OK, well, let's talk about, you know, da, 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 this in this stage of your life. You know, let's start here. Let's move there. And then I finished talking probably about 30 minutes later. And she was like, she heard the look on her face. Her eyes were like, damn. And I was like, wow, you know what? I actually, yeah. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, uh, uh, that's a lot of stuff. (laughs) And she's like, wow, like I'm really impressed with where you're at. And I'm like, 
you know what? I should be too. That's right. And I'm like, all right, all right. I'm not that bad. <laughs> like, and you kind of take it, you take a minute to step back and you're like, holy crap. Like I've been through a lot. And you know, and I, like I said, I don't talk about it. Even with my closest friends, I don't talk about some of the stuff that's happened. My parents know, you know, because I've addressed it, you know, in different, or I've had to address it. But there's a lot of stuff that people don't know about me because people will throw it in my face mm-hmm. and they'll use it against me. And they'll, you know, I've had people, you know, try to throw stuff in my face and use it against me. They'll do it anonymous, anonymously online. And it's obviously somebody who knows me, who knows about my past, and they'll post it in a public forum when that's not stuff I want out there publicly. Am I okay with people knowing that, hey, when I was 14 years old, you know, I used to like smoking weed? Yeah, because there's a lot of 14-year-olds that are out there. Is that okay? No. No, it's not. But there's a lot of people who experiment with drugs at a young age. But do I want people knowing other stuff that is, like, very personal, that was very difficult for me to deal with? No, I don't want that. I don't want that out there. But there's people who want to use it against me. I'm happy that you got this new gig. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to what you do next. And this is what I was telling people, they're like, you know, when we were talking on Twitter, and I was like, just wait till you see what Sierra do, does next. Hopefully it's something good. That's all I, you know, if I, if I don't find, you know, if there is no next television job, I'm probably going to open up a doggy daycare. Inky and Neil Diamond, correct? Yes. Your two dogs are... Inky and Neil Diamond, I feel like they would be great hosts. I just feel like a doggy daycare is right up my alley. I think your favorite. Fa- I do. Like the, the thing is that I kind of think it is too. I feel like a dog. I would be a great. But the thing is, I would specialize in small dogs. So it would be like a dog bed and breakfast. Like drop off your dog. They can stay with me, and they would be allowed to be on the furniture. They could stay on, you know, sleep on the couch if they want to. I think that works. I'm a fan of it. No, I actually, shout out to Creature Comfort Dog B&B that took care of my dogs in LA because that's actually their a thing. shtick. And they, Inky and Neil Diamond loved it. Bring it here. Thanks for doing this. Sure. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Keep doing great stuff. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. Invite me on sometime, huh? Oh, no problem. That's a done deal. Done deal. Didn't disappoint, did it? Now, the only reason that Sierra and I didn't keep talking, I like to be as transparent as I can, is because I needed to go in and do transition. So not everyone's schedule matches up to mine. Mine's a little bit bizarre. So I try to get people in whenever it works for them, more so than when it works for me. So Sierra and I started talking, I want to say at like 4.30. And transition is usually around 442, 444, I'm sorry, 542, 544. So we had to wrap it up or else we would have kept going because there was way more stuff for us to explore. And I think that we genuinely like talking to each other too. But it was cool to, I love hearing about Sierra's punk rock days. And she's got the pictures to prove it. It's on her Instagram for sure. You could see some of the old school stuff that she was doing. But I love the idea of her going to concerts by herself. I guess we all should probably do some more of that. For being on the show, Sierra gets a $50 gift card to Melly Cafe. 
She can check out all the great food over there. You can follow Melly on social at Melly Cafe Chicago. You should check out all the cool stuff that they have. Three locations, Greektown, Jackson, and Halstead, Dearborn and Congress over by DePaul's Loop Campus, and at Grand and Wells. But shout out to Sierra. She always brings it, always the truth, whenever we get an opportunity to sit down. So I joked about a couple of things on an episode about the Bears, one of the podcasts that our good friends, the Chicago Wolves, partnered up with me about, about how Bill's Mafia, there needs to be some sort of Bears equivalent, and I couldn't quite figure out what that equivalent was. So I threw it out to you, and I appreciate that some people got back to me on some ideas with this. This from Alex, who says, Lawrence, I've been meaning to email you and let you know that I love what you're doing with the podcast, and I always look forward to the game recaps and even more so with the weekly interviews. Well, thank you, Alex. That's very nice. I like that you have a pretty good balance of both men and women professionals on the show and also how several of your episodes shed light on racial issues in our country and in media. I'm going to try to make it out to the Wolves game for Superhero Night so I can rep the Justice League. Peace. That's from Alex. Well, right on, Alex. Here's Alex's suggestions for what we can do for a T-shirt on the Bears. Bears maniacs, Bears believers, bear mongers, and then... Alex wrote, sorry. I am happy that you're going to go see the Wolves. December 29th, it's supposed to be superhero night there. So I think that's going to be the night that I go. I should be, DePaul won't be back in session yet, so I won't have to worry about teaching or anything like that. So I think I'm going to go that night. But thanks, Alex. That's good. I'm glad that you you like what we do. I am trying. I am making an effort to show different areas of broadcasting and I know that a lot of it leans to people I know from sports broadcasting and I do think I want to try and get more news people and more reporters from that aspect of the the business on to talk about what it's like for them I will tell you that as I'm recording this I just finished a sit down with Lourdes Duarte that's going to be next week's episode Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Shout out to Jigs. And it's fascinating. And me and Lourdes go back to college together. So I am i can't wait for you to hear that. But, yeah, I, I do want to let people know about some people that they don't know and, and what it's like. It's different. And with Sierra, you, you see how her – how her working in sports might be different from me working in sports and her being bilingual or she might be multilingual. I didn't even ask is an asset. And there's a couple people that do it that you wouldn't even know. For example, rich King is a fluent Spanish speaker and seeing him work clubhouses when I was his intern back in the day was fascinating. Same thing. See, who else? There's a, a lot of other people that are Lisa Parker from um, NBC5, completely fluent. And I would see her at spring training and see her talking to the players in Spanish. And it was great. It was great. I, I'm really, that's going to be like my thing. I would like to improve my Spanish. So for the next you know, year or so, I think that that's something that I'm going to focus on after I get some other stuff done, which I'll share at a later date. So thanks for that, Alex. That's cool. 
I was expecting this one. So Maggie Hendricks from the score staff, you know, former USA Today writer, one of my good friends, the co-host of the Julia Maggie show, texted me and said that she had some ideas and she wanted to know where she could email them. And I was like, why don't, why don't you just text me? Because you're texting me right now. But whatever. So here's what she said. Here's a couple ideas for interview ideas for House of L. Do a where are they now Chicago style. So many Chicago athletes, whether they grew up here or played here, kind of fade away from our consciousness after they retire. I think that's when their lives get really interesting. What are people like Corey Maggette and Dee Brown up to now? What kind of jobs are they working in? How does their time as a pro athlete inform who they are and what they do now? Let me know what you think. If you don't think either will work, I'll come up with more. I'm in Missouri for the rest of the weekend, but let's talk soon. That's from Maggie. I don't think that that's a terrible idea. Here's our other one. People doing good around Chicago. I realize this is kind of vague, but I'm thinking of things like my After School Matters refereeing story. They also do good swimming program that teaches kids to be lifeguards. Talking to people from iGrow, which is uh, an organization that I personally am very close to, Girls on the Run, etc. I think those are really cool ideas. I do like the where are they now. I think D. Brown is still an assistant at UIC. From what I have been told, he, he is going to be an NBA head coach. That's what people think of D. Brown already in this business. But thanks, Maggie. I appreciate that. At some point, Maggie and I should probably sit down. Why? Because she's got the best voice in Chicago radio. And it's just her voice. It's just, it's so Chicago, it should have four red stars on it. I've joked about this before. Maggie sounds like she just finished working at the stockyards. And she's got some thoughts on some things. Maggie looks like, I mean, she sounds like she works at Diner Grill. The late shift. (laughs) I got to figure out more of these. Maggie sounds like a traffic cop at Clark and Randolph. (laughs) (laughs) Telling you to get the hell out of the way. Maggie sounds like she could have been an extra in The Fugitive. (laughs) Oh, man. That's so good. Oh, if you have some ideas on what Maggie sounds like with her Chicago accent, if your jokes are funnier than mine, which they probably are, email me at Podcast. At gmail.com. Oh, man, she's going to totally, she's going to beat me up for that. Let's see if I can get one more before the music runs out. Maggie sounds like, wait, Maggie sounds like she's the person who coined the phrase, the jewels. (laughs) Oh, man. 
Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, Melly Cafe. Thanks for Maggie being a good sport, even though she's going to totally beat me up when she sees me. I will have deserved it. Next week, Lourdes Duarte is on the House of L. Make sure you download that and go back through and find episodes that you didn't even know that you would like. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you next week.